0: Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some
1: greater purpose? The only DJ crazy hey, enough hey, to
2: tattoo Jackie Brown on his hey, This is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip.
0: My my phone, like the touch screen's all fucked up now, and like I don't know, like if I like put it in my pocket or like it'll like the touch screen will stop working. And like there's been a couple times where like. I've like you just thrown it lightly on the it. ground, yeah. like yeah, kind of like drop it from a safe distance and restart it. It, it works for some reason. I don't You're know. You're a, I don't a know 21st is.
1: century Fonzie. Yeah, <laughs> 21st like
0: that, century
1: yeah. Fonzie, man.
0: <laughs> hey. Yeah, I don't know what he. I just all I know is that he was cool. So I'll, I'll take that. I don't. I didn't really know what he went was on cool. in happy days.
1: He hit the jukebox. True. Uh, his office was the bathroom. Uh, he hung around with teenagers way too long And wore a well, leather jacket yeah. But before he had the leather jacket I think they had him wear a windbreaker
0: Okay, I got a windbreaker Nice um, <laughs> And he's friends with Ron Howard You know, is it yeah. Ron Howard in that show? I don't yeah, know. but yeah. I think
1: he might tell him to sit on it Oh,
0: well,
1: even better I don't even like Ron Howard
3: <laughs> I would tell Ron Howard to sit on it I didn't even think of the implications of sit on it. What he is asking to be sit on until now. Wow, that's pretty it's It's pretty pretty blue. Pretty gay if you ask me.
1: me. Oh no, he's always telling Potsy to sit. Is he
0: pointing at his lap when he's like, sit on it? And then he gives a little air hump. Is that something Fonzie does?
1: The Happy Days heads might be fuming because I'm not even sure it's Fonzie who says sit on it. It might be Ron Howard's character who says sit on it.
0: I thought they said up your nose with a rubber hose in that show. I thought that was...
1: <laughs> happy Days sucks. Like, it's it's basically like Cheers if it was G-rated. It's Mickey Mouse Cheers, kind of. And I know it's before and Cheers was probably influenced by Happy Days, but Happy Days is totally, like, lit Cheers, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I've, I've never had the urge to be like, let me check out, I'm gonna go through all of Happy Days, I bet there's something there, you know?
1: I, I watched some episodes as a kid during the same era that I watched some episodes of like Beverly Hillbillies and like all those really old shows, just like with my grandparents when they picked me up from school sometimes, and yeah, they were always so boring, I and like as a kid too, you know, there's certain things that I thought was boring as a kid that you know, when I grew up, I realized it's great. But I do not see myself going back to Happy Days anytime soon. I see I see the trailer on it. The trailer is before the menus on my Frasier DVD box set. <laughs> so half the time when I put in Frasier, it'll start with a Happy Days commercial. Uh, sometimes it's also a Charmed commercial. That was a big CBS DVD at the time. But those Happy Days trailers do not make me want to revisit the show whatsoever.
3: No. Nah. What were you going to say, JT? Uh, I don't know it's something tangentially related yeah. to old sitcoms I don't know it's just they it's suck cool. fuck them
1: well think about the legacy of happy days everyone says jump the shark that sucks I hate that and it gets used wrong all the time anyway mm-hmm. uh, and then Ron Howard it gave him the right you know <laughs> who <laughs> gave then? you the right well, I mean <laughs> well happy days did. <laughs> if you have a
3: gripe go back to Andy Andy Griffith he's a he's the little boy there yeah true true fucking Amy I have Griff. so many
0: gripes, man. I got so many I, Trust me.
3: I got gripes with Andy. Have you guys tried to watch the Andy Griffith show? I did actually <laughs> watch that with my parents. I like Don Knotts. He it's, has some goofy okay.
1: mugging. Don Knotts does have some goofy mugging. That is one that I think <laughs> I might get more out of these days but I remember as like a 13 year old one of my really close friends whose parents were quite conservative uh, much as your parents I believe were yeah yeah uh, they they definitely ran the TV land all day such as the Andy <laughs> Griffith show oh, yeah. like oh, we always ran
3: on the TV land Are there's hey they have a town drunk in that show No TV land
1: now that I think back of it that's like you know it's TCM for TV heads but when I was <laughs> young that was like the old channel like I didn't want anything to do with it other than Twilight Zone once in while
3: really fair enough yeah
1: but then again did not they have dennis the menace on there
3: (laughs) i don't know i mean a lot of i'd say old tv has a far worse hit rate than old movies absolutely
1: well only if you're talking like
3: yeah at the same time as
1: like studio era movies because once you get to the 70s and 80s it's a pretty decent hit rate honestly like not not that great, but you know, the more I watch uh, like '80s sitcoms, the more I like them. And some late '70s ones. I mean, I like Taxi quite a bit, and running through Cheers again. The film style of Cheers is uh, very cinematic, if
3: you will. Yeah, but I feel like those are few and far between. I mean, yeah, no, I again, you. TV in general worse hit rate but you know. totally, yeah totally
1: totally i mean tv will always have a worse hit rate for yeah. sure i i just think that maybe there's some there's some low-key peaks in tv uh that, that i want to find in terms of how good the few and far betweeners were yeah. like i was just doing some, some gems some uh imdb letterboxed hunting you know and i saw like there's this samuel fuller french tv movie from like 1973 uh that was just like not even really a tv movie i guess it's an hour and a half episode of a crime i, procedural.
3: I have this if you i want need it, to you find can, it okay yeah. i couldn't yeah, find it, it i
1: found it on rare lust but for members only and look i'm not signing up for a rare lust account
0: you know like what are you afraid
1: of is, man this isn't 2020 i'm not living at my mom's house you know <laughs> You're afraid you might find some
0: movies on there you like a little too much? Is that why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I, you know, I'm, I'm over erotic cinema. <laughs> <laughs> After that one incident, I'm, I'm, I'm off of yeah, it. Yeah. Once we, that one summer where we did like two Pinku movies on the podcast, it's
3: like, all right, we got to chill.
1: What are we doing here?
3: it's fun it's funny
1: yeah it's people, funny people don't want to go watch that though <laughs> like people
0: can be like oh well, right, they're wrong. i get
1: that it's funny that you watched this movie and talked well, I mean, about and it also, seriously it was for a now. good movie
3: they're good movies they're good well, they're wrong
0: yeah, yeah. The, the
1: people are wrong you're, We're you're negating right. what we said in those yeah. episodes you're yeah. being
0: like you, you went
1: back I'm not. First of all, they're still great episodes. Like, I. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For no one's talking about the episodes. We're all quality podcasters. Yeah, no of, course, qual- of course, of course, of <laughs>
1: course. I just think that, like, maybe in the hisayasu <laughs> satu catalog like maybe i i rated uh, office lady rape too high you know like maybe that one <laughs> that one shouldn't have gotten higher than a two and a half that nope. probably shouldn't have but you know there's a time where like you you're really deep into purely being an aesthete and you see the through lines in the films of sato and you're like wow this is like truly remarkable next level style and then you think back like what what even happened in that? i
3: don't want to think about what happened in that Movie. I mean, some of our dear buddies, Will Sloan, he's 70 years old. He's logging pornos on Letterboxd every other day.
1: That's the thing.
3: In Canada, you get that shitty free insurance. And so, like,
1: that's the only way he can make sure it still works is like if you watch old public domain pornos. That's like their version of men's health in Canada with that Mickey Mouse communist free health care they have.
0: <laughs> All right, so that I guess that's why you don't want to sign
1: up. For <laughs> you figured it out. <laughs> Welcome to extended clip. It is episode two hundred and sixty-five, and
3: I am one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White, and. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, no, I just, I'm getting Be- caught between your legs. Oh, okay, okay, I thought, look. The headphone cord. Yeah, no, they, they call that, <laughs> there's
1: a word for that, like, when dogs' leashes tangle, like, and there's, like, a power struggle, kind of. Yeah if you're walking two dogs together you can't let the leashes intersect in the same way two podcasters headphones can never get together next thing you know I'm peeing on the carpet later you know my whole this sense of masculinity and like house brokenness is out the window because this dude just came through and <laughs> fucked up my leash
0: you know as you as podcasts grow older and you know the podcasters have been doing them for a while it's, all of a sudden you find your mics tangling up and you, you know it's a it's, uh, i don't have a conclusion to that but you know that's what happens
1: it's okay that's you don't (laughs) have to have a conclusion um sherman's march is the topic of today's episode now you might ask who selected this well it was one of the listeners that's right everybody's favorite internal mini series is back the extended clip executive decision i want to say this is the fourth edition of the extended clip executive decision, uh, this one he actually got his in very early, but took his sweet time thinking of a movie, just conjuring up the choice, and so we finally got to this one by Kyle Brooks uh, for Sherman's March being his pick. This is a 1985 documentary by Ross McElwee. Is that how you would say that? I always hate those Miguel-wee? names. McElwee. McElwee. Mc. I. I feel like you want to go like McEwell. Almost, you know, I don't know. R- Ross, Ma- Malcolm,
0: Mickey, Willie.
1: I well, just, I, I see like, who, who's the dude from like uh, Princess Bride, Carrie Elwis or whatever. How do you oh. say that guy's name? Uh, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I just call him Ross. Big yeah, Ross. Yeah. But then Ross. you think of Ross from Friends, and it's like, <laughs> is kinda this guy yeah. kind like of like Ross from Friends? He kind of is in the same way that, like, you know, a, a guy like my dad would, like, hate this guy the same way that he hates Ross from Friends, you know? <laughs> um, Malcolm, who do you like better, Ross from Friends or Ross <laughs> McEwley from this film?
0: I like uh, Ross McEwley, you know? I didn't watch too many, too many Friends uh didn't watch the show friends that much that's how you say that sentence but uh so i'm more familiar i feel like after watching this movie i'm more familiar with ross McIlwee or however you say his name and uh i didn't know what this movie was about going in i i knew there was you know the sherman's march aspect obviously of the historical event of uh you know but i i i was just kind of surprised that you know this movie is a very uh personal documentary shot POV style um, by McGill. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a really fun movie. That's just kind of entertaining as, you know, it's kind of like some, like, you know, some filmmakers we've covered before with like Kave Zahedi, of course, kind of like this uh, um, diary type. Yeah. Diary self inserting type documentary. But it, you know, instead of, uh, you know, it's obviously, you think of Michael Moore when you think of self-insert or whatever. But instead of getting to some sort of, um, you know, well, that's I mean, that's that's what's great about the movie is like, you know, you kind of do come to conclusions about Sherman through Ross's POV. But obviously, it's more about his uh, escapades in love and uh, yeah. I don't know. Had you guys did you guys know that that was this movie that that was like the shtick of this movie going in or what, Somewhat. what, what were you guys' perception of this movie not before? until
3: I started downloading it was like oh yeah, shit I saw,
1: when I started downloading it I saw like uh, he started out to make a film about Sherman's Marsh dot 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 and I was like alright I know it's gonna be some kind of goofy thing you know And I saw like the logline or on the poster it was like one of the best comedies of the year from you know PBS or whatever <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah no i like this i uh one review said it was he was a tar heel woody allen which i was like all right that's just you're looking for a way to call a southerner to like having a jewish sense of humor like he's <laughs> he's literally nothing like woody allen in this movie <laughs> the, the filmmaking style could be further separate like it's not like zelig or any of the other kind of zelig or husbands or wives husbands and wives the other oh, yeah. uh, semi doc woody allen movies you know uh, I, I think the the sense of humor is definitely closer to something like Kaveh Zahidi or John Wilson or any of the uh, very recent digital online filmmakers or content makers or whatever you want to call them who have done this personal documentary point of view style. um i I feel like this just has to be such a huge towering influence over people like that. And you know, people uh, all in between have taken from this. There's like Stuff in this that I feel like uh, all those 90s indie filmmakers probably borrowed from. Like even uh, Wes Anderson, I think there's a moment where, you know, he... So, first of all, I want to say this is a documentary, but it's made in the way that you can't really trust anything because it's from this guy's point of view. Totally. So there's these times where the sound will drop out and, you know, you have to question it. Like, is he faking that? Is there actually sound that's missing or does he want to lie to us right now and make himself seem like a slightly yeah. more sympathetic character well, than he really is? Times- and it reminded me of that, the like the way Wes Anderson will sometimes just like uh, drop sound out because it's like something is almost too embarrassing between family members for us to actually hear it. Like in, uh, The one where they take the train through India. What's it called? Uh, The Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Yes. Um, I I don't know why I was reminded of that in the... Just like trying to trace influences because this was clearly such a big thing in the mid-80s for like highbrow types or video store types, you know? The people that ended up being the indie alt filmmakers of the
3: 90s. Well, I mean, the times where the, the sound drops out for me, the most memorable, I feel like, certainly, I mean, I, not to, I, again, I don't think this is trying to counteract whatever your your point or anything, but, like, the one that is most memorable is where it's just, like, the woman, like, thrusting into the ground yeah. just like she's doing some, like, weird <laughs> fucking humping. <laughs> and Cellulite like, like, exercise. Yeah, yeah, no, and if yeah. it is intentional, it's, like, I don't know what, like, it's very funny what, like, uh it just... To me, it felt like he was getting that he was trying to fuck her. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, that's the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: going from one to the next, you know,
3: like uh, like
1: Sherman himself. So yeah, he wanted to make a movie about Sherman's march and its impact that it has to this day on uh, you know the southern cities and towns that you know that military action went through in
2: 1864 during the American Civil War. Union General William T. Sherman began his famous march to the sea. With an army of 60,000 men, he swept into the south, destroying Atlanta, Georgia, Columbia, South Carolina, and dozens of smaller towns. His troops plundered homes, destroyed livestock, burned buildings, and left a path of destruction 60 miles wide and 700 miles long, before finally forcing a Confederate surrender in North Carolina. Sherman's campaign marked the first time in modern history that total warfare had been waged on a primarily civilian population, and traces of the scars he left on the South can still be found. Great. Do you want to do it once more? Just do it all, yeah. <clears throat> and he
1: you know, has this whole angle about how Sherman loved the South and portrayed it in watercolor paintings and stuff like that. and. Uh, but it very quickly turns into a movie of him just trying to find a new girlfriend basically. And it, you know he has a grant from uh, the city of Boston for filmmaking and you know he has this equipment and everything so he attracts one person after another that are essentially performers you know almost all of them are performers in some aspect whether they're singers trying to make it or just like working in town singing or actors and so there, there's always going to be this fictional remove of like these people are clearly performing for the camera you know like yeah, every yeah. girl he gets involved with even like the the old flames he links up with are like instantly impressed with the fact that he's holding a camera you know and so nothing is really to be trusted in this but that's kind of the best part of it is that like you're giving yourself over to him as um just creating this narrative experience out of his own life and what you trust from it you know varies from person to person probably because that's the thing he's the kind of guy who's gonna be like oh this is a nakedly honest film it shows the worst sides of everyone you know but you could easily also accuse it of going way too easy on him and, you know, being a lot uh, cruder to everybody else through the editing, essentially. Uh, and I just think that's such a fun tightrope that it walks through the yeah. whole thing. It's like, is this a highbrow documentary or is this just like a proto-Borat, basically, where he's touring the American South and poking fun at hillbillies, you know? Uh, and, and I think there's all these different directions it goes, and that's why it's near three hours long. but i think that's part of its strength is the cumulative effect right i mean i i just feel like uh it, it took most of my day to watch this movie and maybe it could have been better if it was split up into two parts or three parts or something like that but i i kind of liked just having to sit there and like endure all these horrible
0: interactions for so long
3: <laughs> for me i i definitely enjoyed the movie but i feel like that's a uh... And again, with like personal diary style filmmaking, I feel like the your mileage may vary definitely depends on the person like there. And that's because it's like, again, it's the most I feel like personal filmmaking can get um, and something. I don't know. I, I certainly just based off this alone, I feel like I enjoy my my time with Cave a little bit more. But I am curious about this mode. I'd like to go dive like a little further into like Jonas Mikas. And that whole uh, thing, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on like the duration because it is like something where I feel like again, it does build to this like cumulative effect of like, oh man, this guy's like his relationships with women are like so unsufferable, and uh, the way, but you do get like time to explore these weird little avenues and things too, and like the one older woman that he meets. Of the woman that he's, like, seeing who, like, screams at him about, like, you're not passionate. You're not, like, like, telling telling him tips to uh, improve his game. Things like that Mm -hmm. are, uh, like, fun. And I feel like it makes, uh, like, it's an interesting, like, respite that he puts in there where it's just, like, oh, finally someone is, like, telling him, like. Uh, telling him these things about yeah, not being... She's as... also insane. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, certainly. Yeah, yeah. She's she's crazy. She's
1: telling him that you need to just, like, get down on one knee and, like, be a movie actor, basically, to a girl yeah, you just yeah, met. But he yeah, no, that that obviously, obviously needs, needs a little bit more But exactly. he's obviously like a yeah. pussy. No, like, there's something yeah. in between that he needs, for sure. No,
0: I I think, to me, like, for this movie, I feel like the tone is one of the strengths because there's elements of, like oh, I guess, is this real, or is he, like, manufacturing this event or whatever? But, like, to me, it's just, like, you know, it's it's interesting just through a raw look at his life. Not raw, but, like, his own somewhat curated perspective of his life through this POV camera thing and, you know, his uh, constant hang-ups with uh, relationships and kind of... uh I don't know tying that you know trying to like somehow tie that around to like Sherman's march and try to relate it and like uh it it's just uh I don't know I feel like obviously there are moments where he's kind of poking fun like when we go down to like the libertarian commune or whatever it's like obviously he's but there are like pockets where he allows people to kind of uh do their thing and uh come off interesting and I don't know. I think the aspect of like kind of like everyone in his life is kind of more interested in him because he has this camera. It's just kind of funny for, you know, this guy who, you know, self-describes himself as like a failure or whatever and like identifies with like Sherman for some reason because he's like, he's a southerner who never fit into the South or whatever. That's kind of the vibe I get. And uh I thought it was just interesting enough to go along for the, the ride, to be honest. And As for him being like insufferable, it's I feel like he definitely is to a certain extent, but he also he also shuts up enough to where it doesn't matter as much. You know what I mean? He lets a lot of people on camera uh, do their thing.
1: Uh, So for the non-American listeners who didn't have to learn about this shit in school, because I do look at the numbers and most of not I would say most of you were not American. Yeah, well yeah. America's our biggest country but it's like 45% of the listenership or something like that. Um mm-hmm so yeah uh sherman's march it's you know during the civil war uh this southerner uh who was fighting for the north for the union uh just led this total fire and brimstone campaign the the first of its kind of just like destroying civil uh civilian life in a, any way it could through the southern towns and yes we do know that the the northerners were the good guys here uh and the, so the <laughs> south uh is the ones who were, of course, fighting for the right to have slaves and uh, so we all know how that went uh, and so he is reenacting this trail in a sense this almost like non-fiction picaresque uh, format it reminded me of the sweet east as another one recently of just a character going along the eastern seaboard and all of these towns that were around at the formation of the country and this being like a deep south version of it not even that deep of the south um, but I, I found that really interesting just going from Georgia to the Carolinas in a a way that resembled that recent film uh, by SP Dub. And so he he's destroying civilian property himself uh, by just like leaving this trail of uh tears behind him uh with all these women who he's like interacting with horribly and it it all ends up linking back to the woman he started with and i don't know it's uh it's almost like too much of a perfect thing but the fact that it's this guy who's so fucked up and messes up all these relationships is what counterbalances the fact that it has this uh, nearly circular uh, narrative, which I really find interesting.
0: Well, it's, I mean, him and also just aspects of life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Different, disagree... Because I think we're shitting on this guy. I don't hate him that much. I mean, no, he's obviously... No, no, I say he
1: yeah, yeah. messes up these relationships, yeah. and obviously he's like, you know, in relationships with people who are performing for the camera, so it's yeah. never gonna be fully sincere.
0: Point. That is true. Like, you know, this this I, it's obvious that him holding this camera, it does attract people, but it also is a barrier for anything uh, further to happen. You know what I mean? A real relationship. And and that's definitely, you know, an interesting because it's like there's a lot of moments in the movie where maybe if uh, old Ross put down his camera, you know, and, you know, was uh, kind of like more like the the man that the I think she's a, a former teacher of his towards the end of the movie, who's trying to set him up with women um you know maybe things could have worked out you know especially but the realities of life come in you know he has to go get an editing job uh for money or you know some of the women he hangs out with you know they seem like decent people at first you know but then you you know you get a couple drinks in them and they're talking about like their deep religious beliefs or something <laughs> like that and it's like uh you know it could kind of be a little strange and they're obviously not a good match you know and So I feel like Ross, you know, he does a good job of highlighting like, you know, whether it's his fault or just different um, priorities people have, why relationships kind of fall apart, you know, while also kind of thwarting himself by kind of continuing this documentary and kind of, uh, you know, kind of getting into his own, uh, was it solipsism or whatever? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I I find that balance kind of interesting.
1: I also really like the style of it. You're kind of not sure where it's going to go for the first 20 minutes stylistically because it starts with this semi-Ken like Burns style. It almost seems like it's like a... A version of the Ken Burns Civil War doc about that at first and uh, almost like a a record scratch (laughs) you know get this get this uh, old timey narrator out of here and get these maps out of here and then it goes into him in this black and white New York loft in a very artistically shot way uh, like high contrast black and white and everything but then it settles into its kind of house format of uh, Ross holding the camera and occasionally also setting it up on a tripod for him to walk in front of uh, to like talk to the camera and stuff like that but uh, I, I find that interesting how it kind of just takes its time to settle in because he also didn't know what this film was going to be. So I, I, it's a good way of showing that it was a work in progress the whole way and it's like you could see him figuring out the film along the way in a really interesting uh, way with the process and everything. So the first uh, woman he meets at this weird Irish Southerner strongman party.
0: <laughs> see that, yeah, that, I was... When I saw that I was like I didn't know this was going on in the south. I didn't know yeah. they had like mm-hmm. Scottish heritage parties in the woods, you know. I guess it's not that far-fetched, but it's it shows something specific and interesting.
1: Yeah, no, it almost reminded me of Wiseman there, where like there are a lot of scenes where he lets people just do their thing, and it plays out for so long, it's almost painful. <laughs> but I love it because it just feels so real. Because if you film someone for long enough, maybe they'll stop performing a little, you know. Uh, and yeah. I feel like that that endurance quality is part of what makes the Wiseman films so real. Uh, but right away, we're introduced to the idea of him toying with uh, the possibility of love in the South during the time of nuclear proliferation. Mm. (laughs) So he's scared of nuclear war because he saw a, uh, a, a nuclear reactor test in Hawaii when he was a kid. So I guess his parents flew him to Hawaii to watch a nuclear reactor test that they couldn't even see visually, which is like, yeah, this dude grew up in a weird era of Cold War American paranoia, I guess. You know he doesn't want this to be a cycle, I guess, of uh, with nuclear war potentially impending and uh, the South already being destroyed in war once. He doesn't want it to be destroyed again, I guess. Even though he posits himself as being very politically and idealistically uh, different from the other people in the South, so that's another dynamic that he sets up right away. Uh, but yeah, so he meets up with like his childhood sweetheart who. After a while of catching up and stuff, and she refers to having a kid at one point that says an embarrassing thing about her in front of her date. And, like, 15 minutes later, she's like, yeah, I don't believe in divorce. You know what? Mm -hmm. I I made my choice, and I'm going to be with him still. (laughs) And it's just, like, the first little shock you get of these people who, you know conservatism just like by the aesthetic of it is their whole life so they're gonna be like quote-unquote separated and date other people but they're like you know says in the bible man woman marriage forever you know we're gonna keep doing and uh, that just like keeps popping up throughout the movie in yeah. little funny ways, where there's a potential critique there of him being like very one sided. As like, oh, it's this you know former Southerner who went to New York and learned how to be a lib and came back and mocked all the people that he
3: grew up with. And, I mean, you know, you could say it's yeah, patronizing, sure. but I mean, if and I think there's a level of self critique yeah. involved there. I do. Again, it's hard to say because I, there are moments where he's waxing poetic, particularly about, like, his nuclear war dreams, his relationship to Sherman, to me, where I feel like, again, that could kind of maybe verge a little bit too much into self-seriousness. But I do think there are, like, so many things, like, can't believe this hasn't come up yet, but, like, when he follows Burt Reynolds, uh, like, to try and get, like, uh, yet another interesting angle into the movie. There are like funny things like that that I feel like don't like uh, mm-hmm. paint him in a positive light or just like it's stupid. It's like him trying to like, I don't know, b- build some more excitement in the movie and things like that that undercut like a potential like self seriousness or like that he is just making this film set in the south solely from a point of view of, like, mockery. I mean, even though... I, I, there's a nice push and pull there that I yeah. feel like yeah. makes a compelling tension.
0: I mean, this movie is one-sided. It's it's his side, you know what I mean? It's his yeah. perspective on things, and... I think you that's know, its
1: strength, honestly. It wouldn't be fun if he tried to both sides. Uh, yeah.
0: No, totally. I mean, this this movie is a raw... You know, I said that already, and I feel like an idiot, but uh, it's, it's from... This POV, whether it's, you know, positive or negative, and he's, you know, potentially he might be plucking things out that make him um, you know, appear worse or state, but that's kind of part of, I don't know, what's interesting about this movie is that, you know, he's, like you said, Eddie, he's figuring it out as he goes along, and there's a lot of times where he just kind of you know, he's a doc. He just follows his nose and he kind of sniffs it out and just follows his interest. And I it just feels very human, you know, and stuff like stuff you're talking about before the childhood sweetheart. I believe her name was Pat. And, it, you know, it's just, just so actress, funny. Like, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we first introduced her. She's doing like these aerobic stretches that, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's Ross is pretty interested in them. He's filming them. And, uh, you know, it's a uh, I don't know. It's just it's just very funny how it's like this is how she caught Ross's eye, and we're seeing it that way, and uh, just kind of. And she seems, you know, what you said about the conservatism kind of being the undercurrent for all the different um, problems he has with these women, you know, maybe except, uh, you know, his long-term uh, girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. Um, or no, there's that. See, not even not all of them, but there's just. There's a good, like, I would say two-thirds of the woman he encounters, mm-hmm. conservatism is kind of a problem, a barrier with their relationship. And, uh, like, Pat, she doesn't really seem like that at all. She seems like a pretty fun-loving, you know, uh, she's very, like, affable and... I don't know. You wouldn't and just. That's naturally... why her parents
1: hate her, though, is because she already yeah. went out to California yeah. once, and she talked about going to the Santa Monica Pier or whatever. So when she yeah. gets in the car with Ross to drive to Atlanta uh, to do like an audition, her mom just has a total meltdown <laughs> in front yeah. of Ross's camera. It's yeah. insane.
0: Yeah, and uh, so like you, you wouldn't expect that, but you're right. It's pressures from her parents, possibly. You know, we could infer there, or just something that's ingrained to her where she's like. You know, I'm going to go back to this guy because, you know, we got married or whatever. And, you know, maybe she's not even that interested in Ross anyways. Maybe that's an aspect of it, too. But it's I don't know. I I think the way things play out, you know, they it feels it feels natural in a sense.
1: So they go to Atlanta because she thinks that if they go there, they can meet Burt Reynolds uh, and she can (laughs) be in a movie. And that kind of fizzles out after a while, but I think her highlight of the whole thing, Pat's highlight was when she's describing her screenplay and it's like about (laughs) how the end of the world and like the island with all the science and everything.
2: So then I figured this will be the beginning of my screenplay. So that's the first scene of my screenplay. Just me and Gregory Smith, I have braids on a plaid shirt, the whole thing you have to give me a compressed version because I'll never get out of it <laughs> So that's record. how it starts out. Then I turn into the best actress in the world. Probably with some huge love scene comparable to Romeo and Juliet, something that captivates the whole world, the heart of the world. Now, by the fact I'm such a famous actress, I'm a multimillionaire and moved to an, an island in the South Seas with my lover who's going to be Tarzan to me and we just play Jane and Tarzan. And then about three years later, we build a center, which will have seven or eight centers coming out from, we'll have another island with a center. And this will be the most intellectual island in the world full of the top scientists. We'll, we'll cure cancer, etc. cetera. I come back and I've found all these scientific things, possibly cure cancer myself. Come back. Now, wait a minute, while I'm on the island though, my Tarzan lover, Whose name is Will? He has a fit because he no longer has me to himself. So he throws a fit, burns down the island that's totally built on, you know, all the scientific research. And at this point in the movie, I want it to be total fantasy, just like tropical, huge, huge place.
1: She had to be damaged off some heavy acid in the late '60s <laughs> or mid- throughout the '70s because she's spitting straight psychedelia right there. It's insane. <laughs> uh the next girl he meets up with i love that each one also has the dynamic of like zagging from one direction to the next even if there's undercurrents there he's like okay now i'm gonna start hanging out with this mom who even has like a teen daughter basically yeah <laughs> uh and that's just like a weird relationship the whole time i don't know it's uh they they meet up with those like preacher dudes when they're eating at the food court mall and the Easter bunny's there and they're talking about the <laughs> devil and the little girl's just like eating and is happy while it's going down. It's, but the Easter bunny mascot guy just looks so depressed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, That's first Timothy 1 Timothy 1-7, I
2: believe it is. That's first Timothy. Uh-huh. Mom, at that. 1 Timothy. There's an Easter bunny out you there. You got your Bible right there. Look at the, the Antichrist will come into power he'll he'll
0: have he'll possess the powers of the devil I, doesn't doesn't ross's sister set him up with that lady too i believe oh okay uh, yeah. yeah 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 well well it's just something that that scene where ross's sister describes uh getting a reverse bbl where she like she made her ass smaller or something like that yeah do you guys remember that, that i don't know yes, just yes just there's a lot of moments like that in this movie where a character just says something that's i don't know that's a it just Obviously, obviously now people get surgery to make their ass bigger, but uh, it's, it's uh, <laughs> how the times it's just, have changed. It's it's just I uh, I don't know, like maybe the camera's there or just like why she was so open to Ross about that is just it's just interesting and there's a lot of moments like that throughout the movie
3: that's coming after she does the eye like surgery right yeah, yeah. He, he
1: says that she had two operations recently and that's the one that she's open about he has yeah. to like pry it out of her about the butt <laughs> thing but then she talks about like how she could stick a pencil in her butt yeah. and it wouldn't <laughs> yeah. fall out which means her butt was too big and she needed <laughs> surgery and it's just like it just sh- like the way people think about you know their own bodies and aesthetics and everything it just changes so much with time. It's so ridiculous yeah. and you know it's cyclical. I guess I don't know, but it's uh it's a pretty crazy scene to consider. I mean,
0: it's it, you know it's specifically women too, and like mm-hmm. like towards the back end where you know this sicko. How did this sicko get access into an in all uh you know female children's school towards the end but uh, but they're they're like little girls talking about like plastic surgery i mean obviously this is still stuff that's not even southern specific this is stuff that's you know still relevant to the day but i I feel like the movie's good about sneaking in not even sneaking in but allowing these things just to speak for themselves
1: um also that's like around the time where they go to that kind of libertarian camp which reminded me a lot of that mr show sketch where i think it's uh oh, yeah. david's like establishing his own country as like his trailer park or whatever and he's threatening <laughs> to shoot everyone and everything like that it, it was very much of those kind of vibes but my favorite part of that where he's just like uh you know
3: there ain't much to do up here there's uh
2: you gotta make your own liquor you got, uh, women are kind of scarce, wouldn't you say? Pretty ones. Pretty ones. And, uh, but it's the greatest country in the world, it really is. And it makes you appreciate
3: America and what God gave us. World. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love, I love when like they're, like he's describing, you know, what he's doing. And like, you know, it's like, and I've been growing more conservative. Like my son's growing more conservative. And then Ross just... Pans the camera and like the sun's just like lurking like an animal or something like that. Just,
2: like,
0: <laughs> so weird, what's going on there? Yeah, that you know, dude I mean, just
1: I, indoctrinated his son so yeah. hardcore. He's just like, all right, son, <laughs> we're gonna live in the swamp now because there's too many communists.
0: Yeah, you're never getting pussy ever because because <laughs> the government's too intrusive and we're making a stand.
1: That's so insane. <laughs> Then uh, after that, he goes to like a costume party where he dresses up in like Civil War regalia and gets like (laughs) fucking trashed in front of his new girlfriend's family. (laughs) That's maybe his lowest point in the movie is when he's just like at this girl's house recording himself and like trying to whisper to talk about William Sherman while he's just like fucking drunk out of his mind. (laughs)
0: Is this when is this when he's with the the linguist uh, girlfriend? or is No, this that's before? not oh, yet. B- that is yeah, before
1: okay. that. That's like uh, yeah. the, the woman who he was with. But that is right before that. Because yeah, after okay. that, he goes to this island just off the coast of, I think it's like off the coast of Savannah, Georgia. And there's only two people on this tiny island. And there's a guy and a woman who's a linguist. And imagine being on an island with someone who is a like linguistic theorist and that's all they t- like no one has a job it's just <laughs> you and someone who's talking about linguistic theory 24/7 that's an automatic suicide pill, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, that's the you know, we're one of the surprise things of the episode, we're gonna rank all the women in the, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in, the, in, the in the in the movie. And unfortunately that that's kind of a sneak sneaky lowest on Eddie's rankings. Yeah. But uh, no that one's interesting because it seems like they have the most in common, right? And like maybe they could have had a good relationship, but he just basically leaves the weird island uh, you know for for work and whatnot and uh you know obviously you know people you know uh long distance can be hard so ob- yeah, obviously they kind of separate but it's
1: such a strange and then she uh, starts uh, hooking up with the one other guy on the island yeah uh, <laughs> who, who when he got there gonna he was like look the other guy on the island he's so far away it's chill i can just get with this girl <laughs>
0: She's, like, openly, like, naked in the movie, and he's, like, filming her naked, and, like... It seems like she's kind of almost going with it a little bit more, or almost like uh, Ross is being maybe... I don't know, uh, glorifying her a little bit more maybe than the others. Oh, it's just
1: a, absolutely he yeah. is like using her as an escape from like the the quote unquote civilized conservative women who were representing everything he hates from like his upbringing and the the life that he had before. So his scene of just like reading about uh, William Tecumseh Sherman to. The the linguist lady, when she's laying down on the dock, possibly naked, I couldn't really tell because the DVD quality is so bad on this. It's like, True. you know, uh, uh, yeah. desperately in need of a restoration because it's shot on film, too. I thought yeah. maybe it was a video project, but when I learned it was shot on film, I was like, oh, my God, I need this in good quality uh but regardless for that scene yeah no that that's like his (laughs) idealistic peak right here is like he's just lecturing a southern woman about southern history (laughs) and then he realizes oh shit i'm not making any money i gotta go back to boston and take an (laughs) editing gig just completely gets lost in the sauce while he's supposed to be making a movie. And I I love that because it's his most selfish flight of fancy yet. And of course, even that he fucks up. Like he's, he's such a failure in his own words that like he even found the one thing he might be happy with and fumbled that because he forgot he was making a movie. Kind of
2: reminds me of the girls I knew growing up and going to school in the South. She's the girl I had a crush on in the fifth grade, and she's my assigned dance partner at Teen Cotillion Dance Class. And on Rebel Yell Day, she's a cheerleader, the one I want to ask to the prom, but can't because she's going steady with the tight end.
1: So he comes back to the island very bitter, which leads to some very funny scenes where he's just like kind of complaining to her. It's like, why do you have a boyfriend now? (laughs) He's like literally middle school level just because they're on
0: an island. And like hanging out with the boyfriend, and, like doing all the yeah, same yeah. activities they used to. It, it's a, and the fact that he couldn't like he said, I wanted to leave, but it's like there has to be some fairy, so I had to stay here. You know, it's a, it's a very comedic scenario that, yeah. that his return.
1: Yeah, him that is the most cuckolded moment of the movie by far. Right? <laughs> so then it's on his wish, w-
0: there's a lot of uh, there's some competing moments there. So oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, we can rank them later. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, yeah.
1: Uh, as the picaresque journey continues upward now, he goes into the Carolinas and he, he goes to, <laughs> I love the introduction to this girl that he's with where it's just like, and there's this woman just holding up the lyrics to the song on a oh, piece of yeah. paper. Oh like, yeah, so close to him. Yeah, yeah. Just like two feet away yeah. from him. Uh, so good. And uh, that's like the introduction to uh, his romance with this uh, kind of singing lady uh,
0: yeah, that one's strange because it, it, it doesn't really – it seems like she's just really game to be, like, documented. Not it, it doesn't seem like there's much romantic spark between them. You know, he's kind of more uh, pining for her or whatever. But there's it's just interesting to see where this random, uh, you know, lounge singer lady and she's collaborating with, like, this family and – I don't know. There's some cool scenes where they're making music and like the kids are looking in through the doorway. It's that's the same lady, right? It I might be confusing. Ladies. It gets a
1: little convoluted there yeah. in the back half with the two singers that he dates. Uh, he also sees Burt. Ren- he thinks he sees Burt Reynolds as a holiday Inn, but it's just a guy trying to be a Burt Reynolds stand in, which is that's amazing. that is like an incredible part of the movie. That is next level right there um but yeah i i think we did kind of mix up those two because then there's the uh the woman who he sees singing at the charleston sears Uh, just like in the parking lot at sears where she's singing respect with the band she's the one who plays bass and sings yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i I got those a little too confused at first yeah
0: what's is there a woman in between the linguist and that one
1: yeah, that's the one that he meets, like, at that honky-tonk bar where the guy is singing with the lyric sheet in front of him, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. And, and Pe- yeah. People
0: say, like, people these review, it's like, damn, this dude's such a loser. It's like, fuck, he's made more women than me. Fucking, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even uh, keep count.
1: And, yeah, so th- that's where he meets that woman w- who, you know, teaches uh, at, a, like, a school in a black neighborhood, and he's, like, talking to them in a way that, yeah, your immediate instinct might read, like, liberal condescension a little bit, uh, but it's also, like, a mix of gener- genuine curiosity, too, you know, and the way he approaches that compared to the uh, more up uh, upper class, like, white, old money, southern estates that he goes to. Um, so, yeah, that woman Dee Dee that he meets up with through the friend Charlene or whatever. Okay. She yeah. sets him up with the, the singer Dee Dee, who sings for children and in other capacities, I guess and uh it's later revealed that she's a mormon but she's just this like woman who's very happily volunteering to this older lady to get married and have a kid with Ross like immediately <laughs> it's a it's a very strange situation between those three people there let's be encouraged because
2: Now
0: look right at him. You look right at him for the first time. Hello, Diddy. I'm
1: glad to meet you. Glad
0: to meet you, too. Charlene has, (laughs) (laughs) to say the least, said a lot about you. Oh, and about you. (laughs) Would you
3: stop? Would you stop? Don't touch that man. I can't help but touch it. Turn it off this is important this is not art this
1: is life um, but yeah her reveal of Mormonism and like the quote of like uh, mm-hmm. I want someone to bring the priesthood into the household <laughs> scares him off and that's yeah. where it reminded me of like yeah this is like almost mumblecore Borat like the, the way that it's such <laughs> like a uh, just crude mockery of conservative southerners and stuff like that and it's it's funny though it, it is yeah. genuinely funny in that way yeah I, gu- I guess it's I, it, it to me it never feels
0: that cruel I mean maybe like yeah. the liber- like the libertarian guys, definitely get the short end of the stick there. You know what I mean? But they are they're acting pretty foolish. They are practicing yeah. pretty wacky. Like I guess I kind of took the film in like just being like what you know whether it's condescending or not. Like this is just what he thinks is good. It's almost like yeah. I'm stu- like I'm studying Ross. Like Ross yeah. thinks he's making a movie studying. All these, uh, you know, Southerners or Southern women dating in the South, you know, whatever that means. And uh, but like, it's just interesting to observe Ross and what decisions he makes, and you know what, how he just des- decides to shape things. It's it's uh, like whether I agree with him or not, or feel like he's I don't know, like he's acting in ways that I, I dislike. It's it all remains compelling because I, I don't know it. it even if he is curating a little bit, I feel like there's just a lot of, uh, you know, humanity to this just with all the different people and all the the random moments. It, it, you know, I feel like he, he, you know, I'm sure he's picking and choosing. I feel like he picked a lot of the good stuff.
3: Yeah, no. And I mean, it It paints a very vivid picture of, like, obviously his journey to the South itself. There are so many, like, I don't know, broad things that I feel like you can extrapolate here. And again, the overall, I like the two sort of looming figures uh, of men in this movie are uh, Sherman and then Burt Reynolds, and like you have this <laughs> like uh, the Sherman character that who he obviously identifies as just like a, a loser failure who like no one sort of like who's not able to have a successful military career and there's this just haunting ghost of burt reynolds from the beginning where it's like the actress sort of trying to chase like a role (laughs) with him seeing the burt reynolds stand in and then just like the brief glimpse uh, that you get of reynolds of just like the most like picture perfect like charismatic masculine guy and you just see him like kissing babies and just women just like screaming after him just uh i feel like there are moments like that and like in general like through lines that really tie it together
0: yeah and i love i love him with uh what is the charlene or his former teacher because she she like you know makes fun of him pretty much throughout the entire time they're recording and i don't know her her just willingness to like set set him up with a, a wife is, uh, it's just an interesting, like, I was like, what, what kind of relationship is this with Ross and his teacher, you know, so willing to play matchup. And it's pretty sick. Like, I love that scene, uh, when they're at the beach and they're just, Ross is just randomly filming a lady in the bikini. Oh or yeah. yeah. And Charlene's <laughs> like, she's pretty nice. Huh? Like they're both like perving on ladies together at the beach. Yeah, and like,
2: she's so
3: strong and beautiful. <laughs>
2: Thanks. Well, thanks for what? We're just looking at everything that's beautiful and you became part of it. Oh, wow. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> it is beautiful Yes, there. it really is. Bye-bye. Ross, do you, want, do you like her? Mother will try to buy her for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought that was going to be his next escapade, too. Like, I was like, Same, wait, yeah, him, yeah. is that lady really setting him up that hardcore? It's pretty funny
0: charlene's charlene's great like i i love her and she she adds a, a dose of energy to the movie you know that i think is needed
1: uh so then he finally gets back to that woman uh karen who left him in the beginning. Uh, and you know it's it's funny because the way he introduces her it's like you're supposed to remember the context from the very beginning because he doesn't make it too obvious he just describes this woman and then you realize the description is the exact description of the situation that he uh, presented in the very beginning and then you see why this woman kind of changed him slightly from the way that he was raised probably this is like an outwardly liberal like activist type woman Um, and you yeah, she's also like pretty solid with someone else right now. And he, uh, is just like very pestering for a while. And it gets pretty pathetic at times. And including one time where he says that the, that he forgot to turn the tape recorder on and, I'm convinced that the tape recorder Was rolling in that scene <laughs> yeah. and He was just way too embarrassing To actually let whatever he said In that scene be shown in the public Because all you see is her reactions Just like oh my god what are you saying <laughs> Like this is the yeah. worst Kind of stuff as he's trying to like Break up their romance I guess
0: I love also throughout the movie Like his car keeps breaking down And like
1: Because he's using like this it... old timey sports car that is going to
0: this guy's got a fucking Studebaker. Like, that, that car looks straight out of the the 1950s. And uh, there's a lot of car scenes, to be honest, which is, I, you know, that's relatable in a sense, I guess. But uh, there's a, the one of the most humiliating parts is, you know, with Karen. Uh, you know, he's trying to pursue Karen or, like, get a solid reason why they broke up. You know, so he's kind of lingering around her. And, like, he agrees to meet up with the boyfriend. But when they meet up... He runs out of gas and his car like breaks down, so the boyfriend, Karen's current boyfriend, has to come in and like provide him with gas, and like it's just so funny. And like I was just, I was for some reason, uh, Karen's boyfriend's leaky gas can, like how leaky <laughs> that dude's gas can is. It's just for some reason was cracking me up. There was there's a lot of moments in this movie where I was I was like hyena howling laughing, yeah. I, and and that was one of them for. A lot of the moments felt more obvious, like, I feel like, but for some reason, like, I'm like, holy shit, there's, like, no gas staying in that fucking gas can. Like, literally every single drop of gas is leaking out of that gas can. And then, like, he gets some in, you know what I mean? Very shakily, too, not very exact. And, I don't know, just a very funny scene about a frustrating moment.
1: Uh, so the the film ends as we said with him trying to get some footage with Burt Reynolds to somehow salvage his own masculinity in a sense which he fails to do and is kicked off the production of whatever Burt Reynolds movie was shooting around there and then he goes back to Boston and takes another job and it's back to being alone in the Boston snow for this guy and uh, it's a pretty hilarious uh, ending where you're kind of forced to compare him to William Tecumseh Sherman and the, the the fire that they left behind them <laughs> and uh what kind of men they are is uh you know uh is really funny as kind of self-deprecating humor he's saying he's the the william comes sherman of being bad at relationships i guess and uh yeah it's it's a very solipsistic self-deprecating awkward sometimes crude movie and I I really love it. I'm I'm gonna go with a a, a strong four bullets on this one. Uh, JT, any final thoughts and a rating on this one?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm going three and a half bullets. I uh, like a lot. Again, it's one of those things where I feel like uh, uh, duration for me was uh, a strength and a weakness, and definitely I want to uh, I don't know further investigate his filmography because I do think. Um, I don't know the personal diary movies like this are so interesting and so compelling. Like when I got into Kaveh for the first time, it was like, I watched like four or five of his movies, like immediately right away. And there's something just so fun about someone like just like taking, I mean, I say taking the camera to himself, even though most of the time he's like not on screen, but like he's just putting it all out there. And I mean, In a way that's like self-serving, you're crafting the narrative and like it's very much so your perspective. But so much of this uh, puts himself in an unflattering light, the people around him. And it's just fun and funny and uh, makes something that I feel like, again, personal journeys like oftentimes can, I don't know, go in a more navel gazing kind of route. But I feel like that really this film really avoids that. I mean and like oh, not Entirely because that kind of is What it's about but like it does So in a way that's like compelling Interesting and I feel like Is a larger uh, You can understand The American South like Conservatives in America On a larger scale outside of Just like following one Filmmaker's particular neuroses
1: Yeah definitely
3: um, Malcolm Yeah any
1: final thoughts in a reading for you
0: no, I'm gonna go four bullets, and yeah, I really enjoyed this, and like, wanna like, I want to check out his other movies. I, I I'm guessing that maybe they're in the style, maybe not, maybe not. Who knows? But, I think um, they are. They are. Once you got it, once you got a thing. I mean, he was also you know a self uh, described failure. You know, once you got the ball rolling, you got to keep rolling with it. You can't uh, you know, switch up styles. There, you got to give people what they want. Yeah, I just like obviously there's a bit of self-absorption here, you know, especially there's, you know, moments where he's comparing himself to Sherman, but I find it, you know, kind of funny and it's like part of him kind of trying to uh, you know, tie in like tie it all together in a way in a way, you know, where obviously it's like they're very different things, they can't be completely tied together. And, you know, he's very, like, and he's always interested in other people, it seems like, you know, at the very least in that he, he captures them doing that, doing interesting things. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, and unlike kind of like a lot of other, like Cave or, um, there are other filmmakers who do this. It's kind of feels less about, like, like, even though that, that's an aspect of him crafting the narrative, it feels less about that and still just more about, um, I guess just like getting off his point of view, and I, I think he does so in a you know a very entertaining way. So yeah, I even though it's very long, I feel like I I found myself interested throughout, and you know I think the I think the patron, I think the patron for bringing it because I feel like this is a movie we kind of were jokingly like, oh yeah, this isn't on our radar really. We kind of maybe did not wouldn't come to this on our own. So you know I'm I, I I'm glad I watched it. I I feel enriched.
1: I always feel enriched when I take Mm -hmm. a trip down to the South. True. You're a Southern man now. Though, now that I've been to Charleston three times in the last six months, it was very interesting to see what it looked like in this film, you know, just 40 years ago. It looked incredibly different uh that sears parking lot in charleston where that girl is playing the cover of aretha franklin's respect is such a strange place to be um (laughs) and i hope i'm never there (laughs) (laughs) uh so that's gonna do it for this week's extended clip next time we are gonna be talking about deep end with spencer Ryder, one of the craziest movies of the
3: 70s um give us money and you can do this too 15 bucks, cough it up. Uh you people seem to pick very very long <laughs> movies, but I think a more interesting challenge would be you give us a short film that is a minute or 30 seconds long and we have to spin an Don't hour. Don't do that. that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying if you if you want to torment us in some type of ways like the patrons seem to do if yeah. fucking oh this is the net, like uh, Eight hundred hour mini series <laughs> bullshit, like whatever. There are different ways you can do it. You can make uh, us watch like terrible, terrible movies for children, something like that.
1: TV shows for girls. TV shows for girls. But not
3: HBO's girls
1: because that's actually good. Yeah, that's-
0: and that's- it's for guys. Yeah, it's, and good, it's for, and guys. for guys. <laughs> it's actually for guys. Yeah. Us guys <laughs> reclaimed that, by the way. Sorry, women.
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you can. Uh, there are a bunch of different rabbit hole or avenues that you could take your $15 that I don't think have been effectively utilized yet. Yeah. I don't even think I, I
1: don't even think I introduced the concept of this episode because we've had so many of these in the last few months. But yeah, if you donate at $5 a month, You get an extra episode every week. If you donate at $15 a month, like executive producer Kyle Brooks did on this episode, you become an executive producer on the show, and you get to select a topic for an episode.
0: Yeah, and you know, JT, that's a good selling point, because I feel like we're like, oh, people are interested in what we have to say. Like, you know, we you know, they want to pay us to hear our opinion. It's like, no, maybe we'd make more money treating this like a dunk tank. You know what I mean? You know, uh, pay us money and we'll we'll do something that we don't want to do or, and we'll dislike it. Although we liked all the movies so far, so yeah, that's yeah. not happening. But hypothetically it could be a way to make us unhappy if that's yeah, it's something gonna
1: be you like, want to do pay $15 <laughs> a us. month and then instead of the name of a movie it's just going to be like eat frozen broccoli
0: you know <laughs> <laughs> challenges We're opening up the $15 tier to do anything you like, you'd like.
1: <laughs> you don't even get to steam the broccoli just like put it in room temp water for four minutes and then you got to eat that ice cold unseasoned broccoli i might do that tonight i would rather (laughs) watch the mother and the whore twice uh by the way the mother and the whore is the next uh executive decision episode sticking with our long movie uh (laughs) style
0: i've always wanted to see that but that, you guys you guys are being cheeky. You guys are being cheeky. Yeah, yeah. Sure.
1: I do love when the patrons select these ones because they're the ones that I would never select on our own because often we're trying to do multiple episodes at a time and whatnot, but like, or I just, you know, sometimes I think about time too much. You know, you ever <laughs> think about movies and you're like, what movie am I going to watch today? Well, this movie's two hours. This movie's an hour and a half, and then Three hours later, you're like, man, time is so crazy. Am I yeah. Watch
0: a movie today. <laughs> that is like, I I agree. You know, we like short movies, long movies, but it it is like pe- If you just watch a three hour movie without making a decision, that's way shorter than you know juggling all these different movies. So maybe you know that that's a good point, Eddie. A I
1: good just point. love thinking about time, man. That's why you own a watch, right? Well, I don't, <laughs> but. <laughs>
0: Me neither, so we're in the same boat. <laughs> G-Shocks for Christmas—that's that's 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 on the wish list
1: uh, for eleven months from now. Yeah, uh, I was at a vintage store today selling this old jacket that I have, and honestly, I looked at this case of watches and I was like, "Is it time? No, no. I don't think I can ever be a watch guy. <laughs> it's never going to be time. It's not Dame time. It's not egg time. It's not watch time. You know." Um, all right, that's going to do it for extended clip. Goodbye, everybody.
2: I'm going down to the dew drop in, see if I can drink enough. There ain't much to country living, sweat, piss, jeers and blood.